So I heard today a little news that you got about your bear. You're up in Saskatchewan <laughs> a couple of weeks ago on a day off. Absolutely, we have one day. You know, I know those hunts are usually five to ten days, and uh, we were just coming through the area, and uh, you know, Bacon reached out and talked to Grant and them at uh, Buck Paradise. And we went up there, man, and we sat from 2 in the afternoon, and at 9.45 or 9.50, I think, last shoot was like 10.15, and I mean, a tank walked out. He was a monster. It, isn't it crazy to think, like, you would never see those animals if you didn't hunt them the way they do in Canada? Like, you, you'd no. never know that many bears existed in that country. No way. And it was it was crazy to see, you know, we I really wasn't expecting to to kill anything to be honest i knew we only had a day and it was more about just getting in the woods and getting away from all this you know for a minute um so we we got to watch a bunch of bears and that was that was a lot of fun just in itself you know and then the last minute i had seen it was the first bear i seen all day and uh i could see one little shoot that the guy couldn't and uh he came through and i said hey man i just saw a light look like a brown bear you know, he said, well, there's a blonde running around It's like three or four years old. I hope he comes in where you can see him, you know. He he won't be a shooter. And I told the guy, like, hey, I don't want to shoot anything that, that you wouldn't normally. You know, don't 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 let me shoot nothing small. <laughs> <laughs> my my bear hunting experience is limited. Um, but that one ran by, and then we watched a bunch of small ones. And in the back of my mind, I was like, man, that first one looked a little bit bigger than, than these. And then about 950, 9.45 or 9.50, he came past that shoot again, and I was like, hey, man, I just saw it light-colored bear again, and he, he looks wide. You know, he looks wider than the other ones. His ears look smaller. And uh, About that time, the, the guide picked him up in his binos, and he said his voice changed. You know, and he gave me – there was one that came in, one shooter that came in before him that we kind of passed on. He was kind of borderline, and he wasn't shook over him. He was like, hey, man, he make a good rug. He's mature, you know, if you want to shoot him. He's a taker, and I was like, man, let's just hold off for a minute. And uh, he was pretty happy about that. But when he saw that second one, his voice changed, and I could tell he was shook. And this is guy, you know, this is Ian Grant's son. He's seen a bunch of Oh, he's seen a bunch of bears. When he got excited, I got shook, buddy. <laughs> and that joker come kind of just, you know, waddling through the woods. And he winded us and stopped dead in his tracks at about 100 yards. And he turned like he was going to go up the hill. Our wind changed. It was just, I mean, blowing dead at him. And uh, when he turned his head... His head was mostly behind the tree. I had a little bit of his neck left. And I mean, I probably took some bark off that tree, but uh, shot him. He he dropped immediately. He went down, and, man, he ended up being a, a Boone and Crockett colored black bear. Good for you, man. Congrats. Uh, seven by seven, by seven, I think. Um, a little, may have been a little bigger, but the skull was right at, like, 21 plus so boone and crawl you gonna you didn't do a full body mount on me oh, standing up <laughs> oh yeah you're doing it all let me ask you this brantley gilbert when you the lifestyle you have is well deserved you've worked your butt off but to have a day like that you i'm sure you hold it close to your heart when people like grant and his family lana and his son ian and his crew when they roll out the red carpet like that the first thing that goes off in my mind is like man how hard do they work to allow somebody like Brantley Gilbert to come in here with his crew and experience that. You know what I mean? Oh, just wild. running the baits, all those four-wheeler trails, those UTV trails, the camp, you know, Mr. Ray Ray, the cooking, the cleaning, the cabin. I mean, that, that's how I think of it. Don't, I mean, I, you you got to have a ton of gratitude with how much you've done in your life to have people appreciate you that much to allow for that. It's just got to be an amazing feeling, huh? Oh, it's crazy, man. They they made it feel like home. And that was good out here on this run, especially, you know, these these – Rock tours a little bit different than the country tours. You know, we're we're kind of weekend warriors. We go out for three, four days, come home for three or four. But these where you leave and you stay gone. You know, especially with a three and a five year old at home, I would I would bitch a little bit if I could. Had I not been on a USO tour and met guys that were on twelve month tours that missed births and funerals and weddings and everything else, I'd I'd fuss about not being home a lot. But you know that is for me the difficult most difficult part of my job as a dad so to have somebody roll out the carpet like that and and make us all feel at home i mean there was 35 36 guys they wow. fed them all uh they were washing their clothes they took them out on trails you know i was kind of missing out i had a little fomo going on we're sitting in the stand and i'm getting pictures and videos of them running around having fun shooting skeet and just uh everything under the sun 
and uh, felt like I was missing out till about nine fifty, <laughs> <laughs> and it was well worth. Then the they sin. were missing out, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, they're, they're incredible people, and uh, I'd say that's probably as far as days off on the road goes. That's that's at the top of the list now for sure. Yeah, you know, I've talked to you a little bit off mic about my experiences up there, and it's going on two decades of being friends with Grant Kuypers and his boys, and and just knowing how hard they work. Do you do you find inspiration? for lyrics and song when you're in a sit like that or you're in a you're in an area with people like that or you see the sunset in saskatchewan or is this inspiration like happen right away to where you have to get your phone out and take a note or how does that work when you're a songwriter every now and then yeah a lot of times if i'm hunting by myself uh it's definitely you know allows me an opportunity to write some more stuff down but usually man if i'm sitting with somebody like it's just a good opportunity just to have general conversation about you know the outdoors and just man you know in that environment whether it's duck hunting or or deer camp or you know elk camp or whatever you know the camaraderie and the fellowship is is worth every bit as much as the hunt you know sometimes to me especially you know my lifestyle is is being drugging me in different directions and having a lot of conversations that wouldn't necessarily be you know conversations i wanted to have so when i get a chance to get out in the woods and and hang out with good people that, you know, are like-minded folks that understand how special it is to be in a good camp. You know, it's awesome to have a great hunt, but you can have great hunts and shitty camps. When you have a great hunt and an awesome camp, it's just I don't think there's anything better. I agree. How When you say a great camp, how have you been hunting your whole life have you been in the outdoors pretty much your whole life growing up yeah. you grew up in my girlfriend anna she said to say hello she knows your family she oh, lives in cleveland georgia not too room. far from where you're from yeah um but she knows part of your family i don't we don't need to go into it i could tell you more later but um that part of the country is beautiful like when i'm in that like i don't even think atlanta Macon. like it doesn't <laughs> even look like georgia when you're up there but how you have a did you have a childhood growing up in the outdoors absolutely we we man, believe it or not uh we didn't fish a whole lot we, we fished but we were more whitetail hunters than anything you know we did some rabbit hunting and and, and stuff dove hunting but whitetail was always the the go-to from as long as i can remember before my grandfather passed away it was like him and me and my dad and my cousins would all go um you know when i was with my mom's side of family in indiana you know my granddaddy or one of my uncles would take me and man it was like i remember back then if you saw a doe you might want to shoot her because that might be the only deer you see all year long but still, we went religiously every morning you know and uh i, I remember you know just kind of hoping a prayer back then that one of these days man maybe i'll get in at least one good camp you know and, and kill a monster whitetail i remember uh when i was young i saw somebody kill a, it, it was on a show and somebody killed a, it was the first whitetail deer i ever saw it looked like a brahma bull i think it was up in like saskatchewan or something like that and man i was like i want to do that one day and uh man to have the opportunity to to do it man god's god's blessed us and, and me particularly but you know beyond imagination man my goal in the music business was to sell out the georgia theater and it's uh, about 20 minutes from my house and holds a few hundred people and i did that at a young age everything since then has been one hell of a bonus so yeah man it's uh man we're extremely thankful and you know to have opportunities like that not just to go myself but to take you know friends of mine my dad my brother and you know my cousins and you know all the boys that i came up with hunting and not seeing anything to be able to take them to some of these places and and share those experiences is, is something i'll i'll never forget or take for granted um, part of your reputation from what i've heard about you in the circle that we're talking about right now is the word selfless which a lot of people don't even understand the the what that word means you know what the what if you looked it up in a dictionary what would what would it be described as or what would it, the meaning of that word selfless means do you feel like you're a selfless person do you like to make sure that everybody in your circle is taken care of at all times before you are is that how you've always been is that how you were raised does that come with your relationship with the man upstairs describe that word the definition of selfless in your opinion and do you do you consider yourself that that part of you know that human being i mean i, I hope to be right I, I try to aspire to be and i think a lot of that comes from faith and, and raising absolutely um but it also comes from being out here with all these guys man and and having the people in my life that 
you know, kind of stuck with me through thick and thin. And then even more so, I, I had some people show me some, you know, extravagant displays of love and, and you know, through the years. I remember when I, I was going through one of my one of my bad chapters, uh, one of my best friends in the world, you know, I was hanging out with some, some rough dudes making some decisions I shouldn't. And, and uh, I'll never forget, he came to me and his kids were my god kids. And he was like, man, you know, uh, you know, I love you to death. Kids love you to death. But while, you know, you're this version of you doing the things you're doing and being around the people you're you're around, can't have you around the kids like that. And I'll never forget that. It was like you hear your whole life, you know, the people who really love you and care about you will stick with you through thick and thin. And I, I found out that's, that's sometimes the case. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes your best friends in the world and the people that care about you the most are the ones that kind of go, hey, man, you know, I love you, but I love you too much to to let you keep going on like this and enable you you know so i mean the people like that that have that have shown me you know just extravagant displays of, of being solid human beings man i feel like i went back to them and everybody around me we've all had experiences where we meet people or we're, we've been in business with people that you know they're out for them and, and i won't say you know in the in, in the bit on the business side of things you, you got to be like that a little bit but um, I do feel like I'm sharing in all this with all these guys around me, man. I've I've had an incredible group. I, I decided to knock drinking out of my life back in 2011. And, man, if you would have seen the way these dudes rallied around me, um, I, I don't think there's any chance I'd I'd be in the position. I'm Well, there, there's no chance I'd be in the position I'm in right now, uh, you know, had it not been for, for a lot of these guys, a lot of my family and uh, a lot of my friends. So, you know, I guess – when it comes to being selfish, I feel like I, I owe a debt of gratitude uh, in some ways. But also, I just never want to be that guy, man, that they look at me like, that's a selfish motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just never been – I've never really cared much for, for selfish people and just never wanted to be one myself. And I, I think like anybody else, we have times where I have to force myself sometimes in business. You know, I'm, I'm loyal to a fault. Um, you know, and I, I have to force myself to make decisions that are best for my family and my organization, you know. But, uh, but yeah, man, at the end of the day, I do think most of it probably comes from faith and, and a debt of gratitude. What, what about along the same lines, Brantley Gilbert, about when you're around somebody like Vince Gill that has that reputation of being, for lack of better terms, a sweetheart? I mean, the guy is one of the nice, I mean, his career is amazing. His skills are amazing. His voice is... I mean, the guys in the Eagles, I mean, I could go on and on about the man, but you are friends with this man. He's 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 sang on your albums. He's he's done work with you. Do you do you also owe it to guys like him, in your opinion? Do you think about, like, I want to make sure that I fly this flag the right way because people like Hank Jr. that you've been on albums with or Vince Gill, I mean, and Hank Williams, he was, he's held, you know, Whiskey Benton hell bound, oh, you know, yeah, back in the day too, but he's a, he's a God fearing man, um, mm -hmm. which I want to go into next. But what, how do you look at that? When you got guys like Vince Gill looking at you, do you feel kind of like that you got to, Hey, I got to fly this flag the right way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you said it right. You're flying the flag. You kind of got to, it's 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 one of those things, man. Where we've we've been out on the road with some people that there have been better experiences than others. But definitely, when you run into your Toby Keith and your Tim McGraws and your Vince Gills and um, you know Chesney took us out, it was amazing. Um, you run into the, so many of these guys that are doing it right, and you want to pass that along. Like I, I remember one of the first things I noticed about uh, McGraw when we were out on the McGraw tour day one, before I had even hung out with him yet. Uh, a, a couple of the band and crew guys were hanging outside of the bus and he got off of his bus and you know walked way out of his way and, and went and introduced himself to every one of my guys I'll never forget that man and, and you know when guys do things like that it's like okay you know when guys do do things that, that make you feel at home make you feel welcome and, and just kind of show that humility and, and humbleness man it's it's uh, it's it's humbling in itself and we, we kind of want to pass that torch along, man. I think if you if you run into anybody that's worked with us on the road, I take as much pride in somebody coming up to me, you know, one of these venue guys or, or you know, one of the production guys or, or whoever it may be from the venue or the promoter coming up and saying, man, your guys were awesome to work with. That means as much to me as somebody coming up and saying, man, that was the best show I've ever seen.
This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by our friends at Corning Ford. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly SUV or a truck that can withstand your life of adventure, Corning Ford's outstanding selection has something for everyone. And with their knowledgeable staff and competitive pricing, you can trust that you're getting a great deal on a high-quality vehicle. Don't wait any longer to start living your dream on four wheels. Visit Corning Ford today, and don't forget to mention your favorite podcast sent you over. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Oakley. Guys, let's be real. The world is your playground and you need the right gear to conquer it. That's why you need a pair of Oakley sunglasses. With Oakley, you'll have the clarity, protection, and style you need to take on any adventure. Oakley's commitment to quality, innovation, and authenticity means you can trust your eyes are in good hands. Head over to oakley.com to find your perfect pair. Yeah, because we've we've built a family out here. All these guys know we got an open door policy. If one of these guys has something going on they need to talk about, they know they can come talk to me. You know, they know they can talk to each other. Um, I feel like you got to have that out here. I've been a part of and and you know have have bared witness to you know camps that aren't like that. And man, we all as much as we try to leave work at home, right? I mean, how realistic is that in totality? I don't I don't think it's it's really that much of a possibility we all bring home out with us and we all go through tough shit so it's like you know having a group of guys that has your back and you know not only on the work side of things you know how they complement each other we run like a top out here um and i'll say we've we've probably i feel really comfortable right now in saying that we've got the best crew and the best band we've ever had right now um it took us 20 years to do it but man it's uh it's extremely rewarding you know when you're up on stage and you're playing and you're confident in what what you're doing is one thing but man when you get off stage you know before you go on stage when you get off stage when it's when the camaraderie is is there and it's a brotherhood and it's it's like you remember i don't know if you, you were in sports at all but man, played on sports teams that was one of my favorite things in the world and it's it's kind of that vibe out here but a little more you know of a family atmosphere just because we are on top of each other you know day in and day out especially on a tour like this man it's it's hard for me to believe that some some of the camps that we've toured with have made it through tours like this, you know, because it's it's kind of a revolving door of employees, and we've seen guys fired halfway through tour. I, you know, on a tour not too long ago, I think there was like three or four guys that got fired the first week out. You know, it's like you just you look at that and you go, wow, man, like it just makes you more proud of of what we built. But it is a team effort, man. You don't hear me say I much. Um, and and that's that's intentionally for good reason. We we really are, man. If I've ever picked up an award on stage, anything I've got framed on my wall uh, was a team effort. You know, I mean, I think it's an obvious thing that none of us do any of this by ourselves. But I think in my my case particularly, man, I, I've really had some guys pick up some slack and and uh, and drag me through some mud. Do you do you feel that? transparency is key in your life of those dark times that when you would go dark because we all do absolutely um i'm sure there's been good songs that have come out of those times but more importantly brantley how did you do it how do you do it do you approach the crew do you approach friends is there some did you always have a go-to guy have you ever had a life coach is there any advice that you could give our listening audience of like even the most famous people out there that everybody goes oh man i want to go to brantley's meet and greet and look what he's doing he's selling out or he's doing this and you know you still struggle. You still are a human being. You still put your pants on the same way we do. Absolutely. You've got babies at home. You just said that you want to be with, you got a wife. Um, there there's dark times, right? How, sure. how do you get through them? Is it communication? Is it talking? Is it making sure that people understand first and foremost who you are and that you're willing to talk about it? I think that's a big part of it. You know, for a long time, there's a, such a kind of a, just a kind of taboo thing around, getting help you know if when it comes to addiction and stuff like that I, I definitely feel like transparency has helped me a bunch in the beginning you know it's kind of a hidden thing nobody wants to to tell you they've been to rehab or they've been to jail or this that and the other you know when me man i've always been the what you see is what you get guy and you can't be that and be shady um with, with all these false narratives I, i'm not real good at keeping my memory's terrible uh so i never was much of a guy to to try to keep up with lies and, and stories it's been not a lot to the police if i have to but, but outside of that yeah the game think, yeah maybe once or twice uh but no man i'll say especially you know how it is when you have kids everything changes right the way i look at everything is different 
Um, and I think transparency with them, you know, transparency paired with timing, maybe. Um, but I have to look at it like this. There's no sense in me hiding anything from my kids. As soon as they're old enough to read or, or understand stories, you know, they're going to know some things about me that they're not awful proud about. You know, you know, a lot of I'm going to have to cross some bridges a lot sooner than than a lot of dads. And, you know, at first that was terrifying. Um, but really, man, I, I do think communication and transparency is the key to that. But I, I will say to me, um, as far as is kind of, you know, weathering storms, man, prayer's always been where it's at. You know, I talk like a sailor. There's a lot of things I don't do right. I, I just recently um, got back into church, man. Uh, my wife uh, is incredibly faithful, man, and, and is an incredible woman of God. Outside of being fire-ass hot and a rock star mom, you know, she's an incredible woman of faith. And, you know, she, she wasn't pushy about it, but she was really encouraging for a long time, years, and um, trying to get me to go and, uh, we finally found a church. Uh, it's called Jefferson Church. It's in my hometown, and you know I played ball against the pastor. And man, I for whatever reason, um, it was just something that kind of drew us there. And and uh, man, I, I found the first the, the first church home I've had probably since my childhood. And man, that's a you know that helps a ton, right? But for me, my personal relationship with God's a little bit a different. A little bit different. I probably talk to him like I shouldn't. And, um, but, but yeah, that, that's always been a safe place to land for me. That's the reason, um, not the sole reason, but one of many reasons that every album title I've had up to this point has been spiritual or faith-based. Um, and it'll be like that in, until the day I hang it up. Um, just because I feel like if I am the what you see is what you get guy, if I leave my faith out of, out of that, I'm the biggest liar in the room. You know, especially at a time when, when being a Christian and kind of carrying that cross is not the most, you know, not the most uh, celebrated thing in the world right now. I think society seems to be geared towards other areas that I don't quite understand and don't much care to. But, uh, but yeah, man, for me, God's always been my, my safe place to land. No matter how far away I was or, you know, uh, what I was into, I never felt like he, you know, I, I may have personally drug myself away from him the distance was always my fault and i knew that and i think that came from my raising but it was absolutely monumental in, in being able to cope with things it's just like hey i know there's one dude that's got my back and there's some things there's some stories that that i can't tell you know to get me and some other people in trouble and uh you know when it comes to things like that or just things that that you know keep you up at night um it's always been a safe place to land and, and not just safe, it's it's the right place to land, you know, so I, I take a little pride in that, but but again, man, that's that, that has a lot to do with the people around me, you know, even even the people around me that aren't necessarily in church every Sunday morning and, and don't throw the Bible at you and, and all that, you know, there's there's aspects of that that they carry with them, and I surround myself with people um, that have good hearts and good souls, man, and, and uh, I think that's extremely important, too. I hope this question, <clears throat> excuse me, Brantley, I hope this question makes sense, but you, you know, you, you have an upbringing, then you got away from, you ran with the wrong crowd, or you've talked about jail. You've recently been on Jelly Roll's album. You're good friends with Jelly. Is it safe to say that you both are each other's guy, like you guys go to each other with this? He's had to lean on you a little bit. I'd imagine, or I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> talk to me about being a god-fearing person when i was a young kid i had the fear of god put in me by my dad and mom. Right. they said if you do this you're gonna get you something's gonna happen right? right i don't know if we're the kids of these days and i'm not saying all of them but i just don't think that they're that they got that fear in them that no. and they get away from it so easily when the decisions that we would make we you you can make the wrong decision don't get me wrong but it, once you find that fear again you, like you're doing, you're back in church, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that pushes it on people either, but I'm in the same boat. You know, I'm starting to go to church again. I was a baptized Catholic, but now I'm dating a Southern girl from Georgia, and she's very <laughs> spiritual too, and I'm, and I'm open about it. I don't push it on people, but I just think that there's something missing there in the way that kids are being raised today. And so when I hear a song like Behind the Bar and what you and Jelly Roll have done together and, and what his story is, is it safe to say that you guys lost your fear for a while and that you had to get it back? Is, is a God? Do you want to be a God-fearing man? 
Absolutely. And I think he does, too. Now, as far as leaning on me, I have to say, Jelly Roll's a kind of, you know, his own two feet kind of guy. And I am, too. And I I respect that about him. But... If there's ever, th- ever anything going on, if there's a question he has that he thinks I might have any kind of insight or, or answer to, it's not so much advice as it is just having a conversation and telling him, hey, man, here's where I messed up. You know what I mean? And he has that to offer me as well. There's things that, that he's dealt with in his career that uh, that are bridges I haven't crossed yet or, or things that I don't have much experience with. And, and man, he's, he's always there for that. And I, I try to be that in return. Uh, I called him and my brother, and I mean it. I mean, if he called me in the middle of the night, uh, even with this new leaf I've turned over, if, if there were some dark things going on and, and he called me in the middle of the night and something needed to happen, I'd be there with bells on. Or I'd have 30 dudes there in my place yeah. <laughs> until I got there. But, um, but yeah, man, I, I definitely think when you meet a, a dude like that, right, I, I felt like when I walked in the room, when we met the first time, and I'd known him from some other circles, we we ran with folks that ran together if that makes any sense um but i remember when i met him in person for the first time it was like dude i've known this dude my whole life you know what i mean this is this is my guy um and we work really well together right off the bat but i think if a lot of our friendship comes from you know we call it showing up uninvited you know it's, it's one of those things where i don't know that when we came on the scene uh, and, and when I say the scene, I mean like into the mainstream genre of country music. When we came on the scene, that, not many people knew what to do with us. They didn't know how to take us. And I think he's he's obviously going through something similar right now. Um, but, man, what he's been able to do with it is absolutely amazing. And for guys like me and Colt Ford, um, you know, Demon Jones, there's, you know, Struggle Jennings, Adam Calhoun, there's a whole subculture that exists. It's, it's These guys are standing on their own two feet independently, and I've always had a, a monster respect for that. Um, but, you know, for, for guys like me and Colt um, that came on the scene and, and were told no multiple times to, to, you know, to have a guy come on the scene like Jelly Roll and just set the world on fire, man, it's a win for all of us. You know what I mean? Because you can't help but feel in the back of your mind like, man, I hope. I don't know that I did. And I'll never take credit for anything anybody's doing, especially Jelly Rogers. That's that's, man. That's that's a that's a Cinderella story, man. And, and it, you know, um, I'll never take anything or, or from him or say that I'm responsible for this, that, and other that I helped him in this way or the other. Um, but in the back of my mind, there's a hope there that maybe something I did along my career opened the door that he was able to walk through. And it maybe Colt opened the door that he was able to walk through. I mean, I bring Colt up because, man, this is a guy that, again, he's, he, like us, he showed up uninvited. He was told more. He was told no more than more than I was. And this is, dude, I, I'm telling you, I have to be careful about saying this. I don't want to come off like I'm saying everybody else is lazy. But I don't know many people that that, that work as hard as I do. You know, when when I, when I talk to guys, and you know, a lot of times they're out on the golf course or doing this, that, and the other, and I'm I'm sitting there chopping wood, you know, on a song or, or whatever it may be. Every time I call Colt, he's grinding. You know what I mean? And, and there aren't many guys like that. I I can say that his work ethic is is second to none, man. It's it's been kind of miraculous that he's put in what he has and seen the little return uh, that he's seen. So I know it's a uh, you know, when he's looking at the whole situation, it's like you, you just got to hope that, man, something we did, something he did, something I did uh, along the way, you know, open some doors for some of these guys. I get excited when somebody <laughs> comes in and, and rocks the boat a little bit, man. And and uh, that's always been my thing. So when he showed up on the scene, and man, he's playing in, in different sandboxes. This dude's on rock radio, I think. He and I at this point, and I think Hardy joined the list. I think there's three of us that have had number ones on rock and country radio. I mean, his are like simultaneous. Um, he's just doing some things that are absolutely incredible. And knowing his story and knowing his story intimately, um, and, and also one of the aspects I think that's drawing people to him, and, and including me, is the transparency. Yeah. You know, you touched on that. And this dude's story, you know, I could talk about rehab and jail for days. I never went to prison. That's a, for an extended period of time. You know, that's that's a 
not to say that it's like a badge of honor or something, but that is that's a life experience he has that I can't draw from. Has there ever been anybody in country music that even rock that went to prison for an extended period of time? I don't know any off the top of my head. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a few few them out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Coe did a little time. <laughs> David Allen Coe was a, believe it or oh, not, he, he was a sure. one percenter outlaw. This dude was a patch carrying 1%. member of the Outlaws Motorcycle Club. And a lot of people didn't know that for years. They called all these guys the outlaws. And, you know, in my mind, having spent some time in biker world, like he is the one true guy that had his three piece patch, his diamond, his AOA the whole night. You know, he was, he was the real deal outlaw. So, he did some time. I think there's several of these guys, not to put their business in the street, but I know he wouldn't mind. Um, but I, I think that's always been, if, if you look traditionally in, in country music, I mean, look at Johnny Cash. This is a guy that, that reached out to that world that was kind of an untapped, you know, a whole untapped world there. When he came with Folsom Prison and, you know, he, he had songs that started off like I did, you know, uh, what was it? I, I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. I and mean, Merle, yeah. yeah, when Merle comes in with that, it's like nobody done that, you know, not intimately, not unapologetically. And I think that's something similar that's happened right now is, is you know, Jelly's coming on the, on the scene with with life experiences and a story that that nobody's it's not. I don't know that it's a story that nobody's had. I think it's a story that nobody's had and been intimately open about it, right? Just unapologetic, unapologetically open about it. And I, th- I think, man, I don't know if that's why everything's happening the way it is. I think, you know, you have to factor in just raw talent. You have to factor in work ethic. Um, I mean, you have to factor in the motivation and drive that this dude was sitting in a prison cell when he found out uh, that his daughter was born. And in that moment, he said... Uh, I didn't know if I deserved a better life, but I knew I was going to do whatever it took to to have one. And, man, he's doing that. Yeah. And I got all the respect in the world for that. Yeah. Heck, yeah. You brought up Colt. Yeah. Again, I don't know how how to position this comment and question, but there was a song that Bob Dylan wrote that Old Crow did that became kind of an underground favorite of true music fans. And then Darius puts it out, and for lack of better terms, again, it kind of lost its luster with a lot of the people that were listening to it for years. Even though Hootie and the Blowfish was hugely successful and Darius has an unbelievable voice, it just wasn't the same, in my opinion, okay? This is not Brantley Gilbert's opinion. This is my (laughs) opinion. But with your song, Dirt Road, it's the same thing for me. Now, I (laughs) I, I know Jason. I know he's one of us. Great guy, great friend of yours. You wrote many hits for him. Does your life go down a different road if that song didn't get where it got with Aldine and the one with you and Colt, which is unbelievable? Like, I mean, unreal good. Thank you. The way that song was intended to be played with Colt doing the rap and you doing the smoothness. Like, it's, it gives me goosebumps, no pun intended, thinking about it. Thank you. Do you know where I'm going with that? Like, Absolutely. Did, did that, would that have changed the route of your life if that thing would have hit the way that it should have, in my opinion? Like, And I don't know the story of the history behind it. I know you wrote it. Right. But that song hits different when you and Colt did it than when Aldine made it a number one hit. I'm not taking anything away from Aldine, so Absolutely. please don't take it that no, way. No, I see what you're getting at. And, and man, here's the thing. That the answer to the last question is... Yes, everything turns out different. Cause I, I do believe, man, um, you know, we can go through all the cliches about everything happening for a reason, this, that, and other. But, but yeah, I, I believe if 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 you move one of those stepping stones, you know, that, that, that got us where we're at, you know, we're wet. <laughs> um, so it's, it's one of those things that I, I will forever be uh, just incredibly thankful and appreciative to Jason for for what he's done for my career, for Colt's career, and for for tons of other guys' careers. You, you know, um, I feel like we're we're handed a little credit sometimes. You know, when he put out my kind of party, he's like, oh, he, he's the bad boy now. That's the, he's putting rock in country. He was doing that before he cut my kind of party. You know, you look at Johnny Cash uh, when he cut that song. Uh, that's an mf'er, man. That that Joker's that's a jam. Um, so we can, I can't take any responsibility for, you know, it helping him. I like to think it helped his career, but it definitely helped ours, you know. Um, 
but yeah, I, th- I think if you you take out him him cutting that song, and it, but I think what you're talking about in essence is kind of what we call in the business demoitis, right? You'll write a song sometimes as a writer, and whether it's a work tape or a demo, you know, the first time you hear it when it's all put together, if it's something you're really digging, you're really proud of, man, you can bring Dan Huff and you know the best players in the world, and and uh, sometimes it's just hard to beat the original way you heard it. I think when you hear something and you relate to it and you really connect with it, um, the you know it's it's almost like movies. How, how many m- movies did you really dig the first one and the second one came out and it was kind of like, mm. yeah, you know, hundred I mean? percent. And and how many bands, man, especially like I, I don't know if you're old enough for this. I, I see a little bit of gray like me, so I think you are. But you remember the days where you used to have to go to the store to buy a CD? Oh yeah, or a tape. Read the cliff notes. Read oh, the note. I do it all. Absolutely. So Twisted you go pick that stay up. Hungry. I'd read every single D. Snyder lyric, man. There you go. Every one. So you buy that, you fall in love with it, right? And how many times does that same man come out with his second record, and you go, "What did they do? What happened?" Hundred percent. You know what I mean? And I, I think people. I talk to people all the time. It's like, man, I, I love your music. I really like your first one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Shit, me too. We all, you know, your first album, I feel like for almost everybody is, is, is so special for so many reasons. But I think one of the things that makes it incredible is, is, and it always is, is some people's best work is you hadn't learned all the, the rules yet. You know what I mean? The the, the rules kind of aren't in the picture. You're also drawing from your entire life experience. You know, the the second record, you're drawing from the life experience between this one and, and the next one. Um, unless you go back some, and I always do that. I always circle back. But one way to combat that, man, is, is I pain myself. I make myself listen through every single album I've released. When I'm building a record, that's my first step, um, is to go through, listen to all of them, see where we've where we've been you know all the way back to that first record I, I never wanted to be an act where people bought an album and was like man there's none of what i like on here yeah. you know we, we always try to bring back at least aspects and touch on the first project second third fourth fifth um and try to make sure there's aspects of those including um on each new album because we all we all have to evolve as artists right whether whether we have to or it's in our mind i think you know if you're really fighting to hold on to relevance, there's this instinctual uh, kind of desire to to evolve, and I think it's out of necessity too, right? If we're if we're being realistic, but at the same time, I think there there is there is a real you know risk that you run there, kind of there there is such thing as getting too clever. You know, I mean, Bob Dylan did it right. Now, if I start pulling out songs that have lyrics like that, people are going, what the F, man? What is this dude doing? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I run into people to this day who's like, man, I really like your early stuff. It's new stuff. I don't, don't know if I'm crazy about it. And in the back of my mind, it's like, dude, I get it. I ain't mad at you for saying that. I'm in the same boat. Like, I, There's some things about that first album that I'll never be able to replicate, you know, um, but that's man, that's the nature of, of being a writer and an artist, and and uh, and you kind of have to take them on the chin and go, you know what? I appreciate that. It's constructive criticism. I try to get you on the next one, um, and 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 that's the hope. I think at the end of the day, you know, if we're conscious of where we've been and who we are, we want to maintain that. And you know, there's a little pressure there to one be a solid dude and put out solid music. Right? It's 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 all over. Just like that, you know, you don't heartbeat. take many mistakes, and it's it's over. There's there's a reason you don't see very many guys in their forties that still have a, a, you know, they may be making money, but they're not. Uh, you, you know, the the trajectory has changed. You know, yeah, it's either plateaued or on the way down. Yeah. Um, and, and and it's a battle, man, because I'm telling you, especially now, you got some of these labels are signing one to two new artists a month. Yeah. You know, now I feel like I'm one of the old guys. We're, we're holding on to relevance, nah, man. Yet. And there's, there's, these new guys are just coming in in droves every day. And it's, uh, man, it, it, it's like anything else in life, it's competitive. Um, what makes art in, in the music world is when I think about competition, I think about kind of getting my hands dirty and getting gritty and getting yeah. aggressive and violent. I think of sports, you know. It was a hard transition for me to think of music like that, and I just I never could wrap my mind around that. I never really felt like we were 
in a dog fight with anybody else in our genre because we were so far out of the the, the box you know um but that was a good thing and and i won't say it's a bad thing but i think in doing that you open doors for some of these guys to come in and hey now they're doing some of the shit you did yeah now it's not as original and that you know but it's uh i don't know man at the end of the day i think um the hope for me is that you know everybody that i've worked with in this business you know they may look back and say man i, I didn't really like that dude's music but my goal is to have everybody that I've worked that worked with in this business turn around and say, you know what, man? I don't know how much I, I like the guy, but he did right by me. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was a solid dude. Uh, and that's as important to me as, as anything, I think. Is, you know, when we start thinking about legacies, I'm only 38, but, man, you know, like I said, the careers in this line of work are, are kind of short-lived. With a catalog, that's incredible, though. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And I mean that. that. And, I, you know, I want to get into So Help Me God because that is, that's a body of work that you can hang a hat on. Like, that, that's Thank good. You, like, we listened to it on the way down today. Jack's 25, and he's like, this is good. And, <laughs> Thank um, you, Jack. It's an incredible album. And back to what you were saying, BG, about I really think it's cool that Al Dean brought out Tracy Lawrence and that Kid Rock has Travis Tripp playing in another sold-out show at Bridgestone tonight. Oh, that's killer. Isn't it cool that this new generation of listeners gets to hear, you know, that late 80s, early 90s, the Hat Pack? And that was kind of like the heyday of country music. The Outlaws were kind of fading out. And you had Garth and you had AJ and you had Clint Black, who's an incredible talent. And... <clears throat> These, these acts that you know that they're bringing them back out a little bit to let it to to be heard I, I think it's really neat that your music can be diverse enough to go from a country ass hillbilly town in Nevada at a country fest with a bunch of farmers to a five finger death punch concert in Minneapolis and now you're out on the road with Nickelback who arguably had some of the biggest hits in rock and roll in the 2000s um, what does that mean to you like how do you describe your artistry how do you describe that that sec segment of your career that you can relate to that many, was, was it your inspiration that made you want to? You've wrote a song called "My Baby's All Guns and Roses." I wore this hat. Yeah. I'm a huge GNR fan. Oh, yeah. the, the, the the lyrics in that song are insane, but it's all rock and roll to me when I hear that. The sweet child of mine, the Paradise City, all that. Um, what does it mean to you to be able to relate to that many different audiences? This episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody is brought to you by the Provider. The Provider's mission is to help everyone enjoy a well-seasoned meal no matter where they are or what they're cooking. They currently offer 12 unique dry rubs, an incredible wing sauce, and a number one selling cookbook, all designed to elevate the flavor of any dish. Their rubs come in airtight containers that keep them fresh and flavorful for a long time. And unlike other rubs that can be overpowering or too salty, the Provider's rubs strike the perfect balance of flavors. The cookbook, co-written by hunting enthusiasts Chad Belding and Chad Mendez, is a work of art with incredible photos by Tom Rasheen and stories of people hunting and providing. It's so beautiful you'll want to sit down and appreciate every single page. It's packed with recipes and designed specifically for wild game and domestic meats, making it the perfect addition to any cook's arsenal. Head over to theproviderlife.com. With new additions every week, the website is a treasure trove of free cooking tutorials, provider tips, and unique recipes that will help you take your culinary skills to the next level. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the kitchen, the provider has something for everyone. This episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Lear. Looking for a high-quality truck accessory that's built to last? Look no further than Lear. With over 50 years' experience in the industry, these guys know what it takes to make your ride look and perform at its best. Whether you're looking for a fiberglass or aluminum cap, a hard or soft cover, or accessories to customize your truck, Lear has you covered. Their products are made with only the best materials, and their innovative features provide added convenience and security for truck owners. Head over to Lear.com to explore their range of products and to take your driving experience to the next level. Well, man, for me, it was always, you hear a lot of people say, well, I listen to a little bit of everything. I, I definitely do. Um, I'm that guy. Uh, but also, I always saw myself more as a writer than I did an artist, for, for whatever reason. And, that, and this may be the reason why. That mentality has kind of allowed me to play in other sandboxes unapologetically. So if I put out Hayesville, or I put out Dirt Road Anthem, or I put out Son of the Dirty South with Jelly Roll, and there's a rap part in it, you know, everybody's not 
flipping their shit. Like, oh, no, what's he doing? He's selling that. No, I'm not selling that. I'm doing what I've been doing. <laughs> we do a little bit of everything. Um, man, I like rock music. I like rock, I like rock songs. I, I think what landed us in the country genre as much as anything is just the fact that I'm a country dude. I don't write songs about things that I don't understand or hadn't lived or hadn't experienced. Um, that's always been important to me. Uh, all my albums up to this point are kind of chapters of my life. If you listen to every one of my albums front to back, you got a pretty good idea of who I am, where I've been, and where I stand. Um, and, and, you know, as far as stylistically, now more than ever, I mean, the, the chains are off. The rules are gone. Um, you know, for so long, you know, even in my career, and I'd say particularly the third, fourth, fifth record, you know, we're, we're trying to take songs that wanted to be rock songs and, and put country aspects into them so it fit in the genre and it fit fit the project and not that i don't think that's important but i do think now we kind of have a little more freedom to let a song be what it wants to be when we did son of the dirty south it wasn't about hey man we need a we need a banjo part to make this thing country it was like hey man what's gonna sound good right there you know what what does this song want to be let's make it that you know um and as long as you do it unapologetically i think i think we're doing it right you know and hell we miss everybody misses Right, but um, I like putting out albums that, dude. No matter who you are, there's at least one or two or three songs on there. That like, man, I ain't messing with the rest of this, but them three are bad. You know, I listen to that. The downside of, of the way people consume music now is, is just that I, I kind of I'm a little old school. I miss the days when you could go buy that whole album and live with it, and you know, just become a fan of a, a body of work and of a band or an artist. Nowadays, you know, if you put out Unless you're Morgan Wallen and, and you're on freaking fire, you know, if you put out more than, you know, 10 songs, you're burning a lot. You know, some sometimes if you put out more than five, you're burning songs. The people listen to the ones with the star beside them or, you know, the ones that, that are on this playlist or that playlist, but, but seldom are the times anymore where somebody buys an entire album and goes through it front to back. So a lot of the songs that were always my favorite in my career and... I was careful about saying this for a long time. I'm a little less careful about it now just because, man, the honest to God truth is most of the songs you've heard on the radio that are mine were my least favorite song on the project. And and that's that, that that's the honest to God truth. Bottoms up when I wrote that, man. And I knew you were going to say that song. No, no, no. Uh, no offense to anybody that loves it or any guys I wrote it with. I think, it, you know, obviously the song worked. Um, but as a body of work, when I looked at that that project, that was not the song I gravitated towards. Went, man, that's the one that punches me in the chest. That's the one I want everybody to hear. You know, oftentimes for me, it's those, you know, what they used to call B-side songs that kind of lay under the radar, man. Those are the ones that, that kind of punch you in the chest and mean something. Um but those are also really really hard songs to single. You know, uh, there's a reason that songs like Bottoms Up and Countrywide and things like that work. Um, you know, when we released a song like Hard Days, to me, Hard Days, that was a songwriter song. You know I mean? We wrote the shit out of that one. And, uh, you know, just for whatever reason did not resonate like some of the other ones. And the song did its job, you know what I mean, in, in, in my opinion. It, it changed some lives. I've heard lots of stories where people come up and say, hey, man, that song really helped me through a hell of a time, especially it came out during COVID. Um, so, it was, you know, there was a, a reason we put it out. There was never uh, an assumption that it was going to go to the top of the chart and ring ring all the bells or be at the top of the Billboard 100, none of that. Um, but we wanted it to do some good, and I feel like it did that. So, I mean, you release different songs for different reasons, but... I, I do feel like, man, if you a lot of the stuff you've heard of mine on the radio has been my least favorite. My least favorite. You talk. We talked about being dark before and your relationship with Jelly Roll and his body of work. So I've heard artists get off social media. They've talked about how they had to get off social media because they couldn't stay in their lane. They were paying too much attention to what other artists were doing, what they were getting. You, you just mentioned Morgan Wallen mm -hmm. comes up, starts his career, gets in some trouble comes back explodes um one of my favorite songs on your new album so help me god is called wrote the book around here yeah. this is song is geniusly written <laughs> several of them on the this album are 
Morgan's got a song called "Wrote the Book" or "What We Wrote the Book" or something on his oh, new does album. He? Yeah. Um, is Brantley Gilbert a cheerleader? Do you get pissed off? Did, was there a time in your career to where you had to check your ego of like, wait a minute, what's it's all happens for a reason? You got to wait your turn. Brent Cobb, I don't know if you know this mm-hmm. name from Georgia. He wrote a song about all the jacked up trucks are in my way. I'm just going to let the dust clear, dust settle, and then I'm going to find my way. Um, when it's his time, it's his time. He just, hey, Riley Green gets a hit, good for you. Brantley gets a hit, good for you. When it's my time, it's my time. Do you have that same attitude, or do you, have, as part of your career, been like, gosh dang it, man. Other people are getting all this notoriety. And I'm, <laughs> has that happened in your career? Is that natural for an artist to go through? I, I think so. I, I, I think if, man, if you if you hadn't ever had that mentality at one point or another, I don't know if you're doing it right, right? Because like competition's always been something that just, uh, I mean, it's a primal instinctual thing for me. I'm just competitive. But like I was saying earlier, in the music space, that always was a little bit different. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there were times when somebody had released something that maybe sounded similar to something we'd done before. Or, you know, when you see a guy just set the road on fire, it's just like, damn, man, why are we not doing that? Um, so I, I won't say that there wasn't a chapter in my life or my career where where that was that was a, a thought. But I would say for for the most part, and now currently, I'm absolutely a cheerleader, man. I I want good things to happen for people and and for music. Now I get a little more excited when a guy like Jelly, Jelly Roll comes on the scene. He's rocking the boat and he's he's kind of knocking down doors. Is that you know for several reasons? One, I feel like that's one for the home team, right? Uh, but but also you know that means we get to play around a little bit more. Yeah. You know it kind of opens some doors for us too. But no, man, I. I Honest to God, I don't have any malice in my heart. There's that. It's not really. A, I'm not really that much of a jealous dude, man. God blessed me with ten times more spotlight than than I in platform than I, I ever asked for, or ever needed. Um, so I, I feel like I'm blessed to have what I got, man. We got an incredible crew out here. We got an incredible band. I've been able to release a bunch of a bunch of albums that a bunch of people listen to and bought and. Man, again, my goal is to sell out the Georgia Theater. You, you know, done did that. Yeah, we done did that early. <laughs> you know, we're, 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 and place is a lot bigger now. Yeah, people, places I didn't know exist, people that I didn't know existed. I, I mean, you're going you, up and playing in front of big crowds and, you know, not even in this country anymore. You're, absolutely. You're absolutely, man. And that's, you know, that's 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 no more than, than God-given. That's that's hard work on, you know, the the part of our team. Um, and I, I try my best to do my part and then some. Uh, I feel like that's kind of my responsibility. I, I kind of run the show. I better be running it right, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I can't say that right now there's anybody that I'm, I'm looking at like, man, I wish that was me or, or, or something. like. We all want to see success. And, you know, would I love it if we were freaking putting out the phone book and it going number one? Yeah, I ain't going to be mad about that. But at the same time, Man, I, I don't know. I feel like if I was in that frame of mind, I'd be taken away. And, and one of my main uh, downfalls or, or faults in my career was was never really appreciating where I stood. You know what I mean? Like, it was always head down grind, you know, no matter what. It, it, if I, I felt like if I stopped to smell the roses, everybody was going to pass me. Um, and not necessarily everybody, but just, I guess my career or music itself would run off and leave me um you know when i kind of noticed that i was doing that and a lot of people ask me questions what was what was it like to get your your first number one what was it first what was it like to sell out your first arena and i couldn't tell you i can tell you what it was like uh, my first number one was like that was the night that i you know we threw a little party uh, a number one party and i mean i kind of that was a night that I realized, like, hey, man, we're supposed to be celebrating something that people worked their whole lives to get, and very few succeed. And we're just doing the same shit we do every night. It's just, you know, tonight's party's themed. <laughs> and the theme party is, is, is number one. My second number one I got in rehab. I was When I found out it went number one, I was in a smoking shack in, in a rehab facility in Tennessee. Um, so, wow. You know, but but most of the things people ask me, like, what was it like to sell out your first arena? What was it like to do this, that, and other? Hell, I don't know. I never, I never slowed down enough to tell. Well, that's you. good. That's humility. 
Right. That's a work ethic. Yeah, I, I like to think so, but I do wish there were some time. You wish you, you know, would have pumped some, the brakes a little bit and just soaked enough, it all in, right, Brandon? Yeah, just You enough. deserve to, though. Because I feel do like... Do you now? Uh, I try. You try? I try, but, man, I do think it's, it's an instinctual thing for me, man. It wasn't... Nothing in this business... And I'm not saying it is for anybody, but but nothing in this business came easy for us. I, I will say... I mean, I've been in every every damn one of them. It's been a dogfight. It's been a bunch of them, you know. And and uh, I feel like if you're doing it right, you stay in dogfights. Um, and that, working for stuff never never bothered me at all, man. And, and you know, but I will say, I think to your, to to what you were getting at, when you look around sometimes and you see some of these guys that just feel like they fell into it and it happened overnight, you know, like. You know, instinctually, you look at some of the TikTok stuff that's going on. It's like, man, these dudes are going in with one song and signing record deals. And like, what is up with that? We had to play motorcycle clubhouses and VFWs. And dude, I mean, I've seen people stabbed and shot at and everything else <laughs> coming up in this business. And now it seems like it can happen overnight for guys. You know, at first when it started happening, you know, I kind of had to check myself and be like, man, hey, you know what? Their road was different. But it was still a struggle. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it wasn't, then they're going to struggle. It, you know, you, you have to earn it, man. I do believe. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the fact that, you know, God makes you earn stuff, right? And, you know, and think, you know, he, he blesses us all, all beyond what we deserve, right? Um, but I do feel like, at least in my life, I'll say from personal experience, I do feel like there have been doors that have been opened um, but God kind of left it up to me, like, all right, if you go through that thing, dude, you got to be balls to the wall. Like, you got to be about it. I, you know, if you want the blessing, you you better work for it. And uh, and I've always appreciated that, man. It's it's, it's the equivalent to how many days did you go to school with it? Uh, you know, had to save up money and buy their truck. And then there was other folks, like my my parents helped me out, and I got like a '95 Ford Ranger, right and. It's a good ride. Right? Heck yeah. Dude, I love My it. My first one was an 82 white Ford Escort. It, think about rolling up in that and 16 years old. But see, man, the thing <laughs> is, the point the, the point I'm making is, I remember a dude named Caleb Maddox. Now, this is a dude from my hometown. He's still one of my favorite people on the planet. He and his family are some of the most down-to-earth, just God-fearing, uh, just just solid human beings that I know, and he's that he, he's always been that, and he's that to this day. I remember in high school he had this this Tacoma, I think it was a Tacoma, it was definitely a Toyota, and he had giant tires on it, man. I, I just mean they were huge. I remember looking at me like that is a badass truck. I think it was like a maroon truck with these big old tires on it, and I remember like getting in his truck with him to go somewhere, and that truck was spotless on the inside. You know, and then I'd go jump in the truck with one of my other buddies. It's got, you know, brand F, brand new F one fifty that their parents bought them. You know, it's just got shit laying like in Donald the floor. Drivers yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, it's just, yeah. you know, I, I think there's a whole other level of appreciation when you have to earn something, and when That's it took point. something out of you to earn it. Great point. You know what I mean? I think there's something to that. So I, I hope we always, man, till the day I hang that guitar on the wall, which I, I honestly. I don't know if there's there's ever going to be a fight in my life where I'm going to lay the gloves down at the end of it and retire. I just I don't I don't. How know hard is that to look blood. at when you when you look at somebody like Willie that's 90 doing it? Um, Eminem's 53 now or whatever. It's hard to think about Eminem going on a stage and rapping. You know what I mean? It's hard. How do you look at that? Do you want to be 70 years old going and playing in front of an audience right now at this time in your life? Or is there a time where you're like, hey, that was part of my life back then. It's time to move on. I mean, the king of country, they, they call George Strait. He's 70 doing it. Mm -hmm. I just don't see you ever putting down. You have a legacy. You're building a legacy at the age of 38. You have a catalog that's amazing. People are going to want to hear those songs. I think a great thing would be an intimate evening with bg to where this new album was played covered you know song to song where people got to hear it because like you said you go and play bottoms up or kicking it in the sticks or that's one hell of an amen the audience expects to hear those songs Absolutely. and you got to keep them entertained but man i want them to hear this new album you know and with the way people are getting their music they might only hear one or two of the cuts unless they do a deep dive into it but do you, do you see it i mean you don't you're not going to slow down you're going to be doing this for a long time yeah man i, I i'll say I don't really know how to do anything else. Well, so, you're, you're I mean, a hunter. That. Yeah, you no. can put meat on the table. There we go. We can do that. <laughs> and, and now there I can you go, cook the provider it. Provider cookbook, baby. <laughs> now I can cook it. Um, 
you know, this is, believe it or not, this is a pretty frequent conversation. Um, you know, whether it be with my family or, or my guys or whatever, I, I, have, I remember Charlie Daniels saying something when, when he was still here. We had the same publicist, and I was privy to the conversation. I was kind of fly on the wall, and I thought the world of that man still do. And uh, whenever I was around him, I tried to, I tried to be a sponge, man, just because – you know, I remember the first time we played with him. His crew was so cool to our crew. Like he was one of the original ones. It was like bigger than life. It was like I can't believe I'm mm-hmm. sharing a stage with this dude. And he was so kind to my crew, man, and my band. And I just watched the way he treated his guys, and I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's I want to do that. Um, I heard him tell my publicist one time. She said, uh, it was Holly Gleason, and this one was written some of the some of the she's just a genius but she uh she asked him or she told him actually she was like charlie you know he came off stage he was sweating to death man he just wore out and this was towards probably a year or two before it happened and uh, before we lost him and she said charlie you know you've kind of been there and done that you don't have to do this anymore you know you'd be all right if you you know wanted to kind of just you know retire or whatever and he said yeah he said I'd be all right, but my guys wouldn't. And that stuck with me. And it's like, man, I, I do have a responsibility. There's there's dudes out here on the road with me, man. And I, I hope I hope several of them miss this podcast. <laughs> if I'm about to say this, but there, man, I've got dudes out here that are that are on my crew that could easier easily find another home with better pay. Um, and they're here. I think because, you know, for several reasons, but I think one of the the most important reason they're here is they're, they they realize they're a part of something that's, that's not normal. When you come out on tour and you see guys tour together, I think anybody that's toured with us will tell you we do have something special. It, it really is. Everybody has something special, but I do feel like, and, and maybe it's just because it's ours, but I feel like ours is a little bit different. But there's guys out here that could, that could go right now tomorrow and, and come – make a few phone calls and make more money working for somebody else probably work less days you know uh probably have a few less job responsibilities um but i do think they feel like they're a part of something that's that's bigger than them and bigger than all of us i do too um and i do my best to take care of my guys the best way i know how uh, i feel like i always have and i continue to do that but there is a there is a, a sense of loyalty here that you know, for whatever reason, man, these these guys are committed. They're driven. They're motivated day in and day out. And it's it's not so much that we're blowing up the world right now. We're not on, we're not on fire. You know, we're not Jelly Roll. We're not Luke Holmes. We're not Morgan Wallen right now. Um, but these guys are getting out here every night. When you see us tonight on stage, dude, we're throwing the fuck down. I mean, it is. Wait. Yeah, nobody nobody's walking on us. We're, we've really put something together that's special. And I think that that. You know, it's it's a heart thing, it's a soul thing, and it's it's something we take pride in, you know, because it is something that we all built. It's not I didn't build any of this by myself. Um, so yeah, I think it, you know, knowing that that I have guys there like that, it could be somewhere else making more, doing less. I have a responsibility to them as well as awesome. to myself and my family. And to everybody that's ever done business with me, anybody that's picking up a percentage when I get, when money goes into my account, and there's a percentage going somebody's way. It's for a reason. It's because they earned it. If that check stops coming in for me, it stops coming in for them too. And uh, I just feel like I have a responsibility to to everybody I'm in business with, you know, and not just them, but their families. Good for you know you, what man. I mean? If if I come up short, if I start messing around, and I I don't. You know, I, I I'm not dedicated or motivated. I'm not engaged the way I need to be. It affects every single person. You know, whether it's uh, you know out here on the road with us or in Nashville in the office or, or back home. You know, my wife and kids. Like, I, man, I, until the day I die, I want to feel like I'm doing everything to the best of my ability to benefit everybody around me. Um, you know, all those people have been benefited me and. In a million ways, so so to be able to try to give back, and I, I never want to be the guy that that somebody says, "Yeah, man, we built something awesome," and then dude just up and left us. Yeah, ain't gonna happen. Nah, it's awesome to hear you say that. I know we got to stop. I know that 
sound check. I could talk to you forever. This has been awesome for me. <laughs> you too. Brother. I love me the message, too. man. I love. Uh, we were supposed to talk more about hunting, but let's <laughs> maybe we can do that at hunting camp. I'd love you to come out and kill and shoot at some mallards with me because everybody's like, man, you must kill every duck you see. I'm like, no, nah, man, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm not that good with the shotgun. He'll attest because he's always filming me. But I'd love you to come out to duck camp. Oh, I'd love. To I'd come love in. you to bring a guitar and sing one around a fire. I just, man, your career, you're a big inspiration to a lot of people. I've listened to your music. I've seen a lot of shows. Um, keep doing it. Uh, I don't. I mean, you know, you could always just say, "Hey, this is just another conversation." But it means a lot to me to have you on because Absolutely. I think I think the I think that the message is special, and I think that your transparency is cool as hell. And I, uh, man, just congratulations on a hell of a career. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me, and man, I hope you enjoy the show. It's supposed to be wild, and I'm down to share duck camp. It's, uh, I got you some Benelli shirts right over here. Come some on. Some foul life shirts. Hey, look it. If there's one song tonight that you want to give a shout out to a local boy with a foul life shirt on, be my guest, Bradley. Yeah, well, we may have to take that thing up there. on stage They're with in us. There. They're in there. There's some foul life stuff in there. There's a foul life hat. But I just wanted to show your appreciation and, and our whole crew enjoys your music, man, your career. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate it, brother. I'd love to share camp with you. We, uh, man, you know, I was telling you, duck hunting's a little bit new to me. Uh, we've gone down to Mallard Estates. Blake McWilliams is the, the owner down there. And I, I'd love to get you down there with I'd us, too. I've heard guy. a lot about the place. They're all banded. Yeah. They're all banded. Oh, yeah. They're all banded guys. Down. The best, what's, what I look forward to as much as anything every year is if we get lucky enough to get in a blind with Blake, when he calls them in, for whatever reason, when he gets excited, he's got a gag reflex. <laughs> um, so he'll, he'll whack, 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 and then he'll, <laughs> he gets excited. He gets and I mean, up. when the gun start going off he's puking it's just happening he <laughs> goes back but, oh dude it makes the experience that much cooler so man those those guys are awesome there i know we're uh we're going down to days bayou this year awesome place at some point we you know i think everybody will we'd love to get in the coca-cola woods a little rusty um, crease, creasy over there yeah it wouldn't, wouldn't break my heart you know but but what i would love to get? share camp with you man i'm actually a big fan of yours and thank you uh years back i know you're friends with a lot of guys out here on the road and gossip um, we still love guys. Guys don't work with us anymore, but he's still my brother, man. I love him to death, and I'll forever appreciate everything he did for me and our organization. I know y'all are good friends. That says a lot about you, man. He's, a, you know, anybody I've heard talk about, he's had nothing but nice things to say. So when you you asked us to get on this thing, man, we we uh we jump right on it, and I appreciate you thinking of me and having me, man. It means the world to me. And you can come to my woods. I just got lucky enough with my partner to acquire. 192 acres of flooded timber oh come on and then on. i got another place that you need to come to this year so if you don't get in the coca-cola woods this year my new plot's not too far from there and then i got a place that's uh my my really good friend brandon adams owns 30 miles south of stuttgart oh and it's, okay it's fire is it fire jack You'll meet Let's Billy Bogey. You'll meet Mr. Billy Bogey. His recipe's in the middle of this book. It's okay. uh, Mr. Billy Bogey smothered deer steak, and uh, he cooks it for us in Arkansas. It's private. It's low key, and the mallard hunt. Oh boy, and the dogs. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy cool. There we go. Man, I appreciate you, brother. No, man. Can't wait to watch the show tonight. Appreciate That's you. That's the great me, Brantley Gilbert. We'll be back with another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody and the Foul Life Podcast. This one came live at you. I'm Brantley Gilbert's tour bus. I'm going to get one of these for the decoys. <laughs> Let's do it, bro. You borrow this Life one. on earth won't last too long. So what you going to do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone?